0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: Opal has always been my baby. I was born out of necessity and I just have a love affair with it. It's provided so much freedom and happiness, career happiness for me. I don't really foresee myself doing anything else. Opal got me through some really challenging times and yeah, I'm still in a love affair with my business.
0: You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I've got a fellow queen on the king stage today, Miss Terra How are you? Welcome to the stage.
1: Oh, good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: I I get excited about these every time I do them, but specifically and uniquely with the Queens, because there is a different perspective. There's a whole nother way of thinking that you guys bring. So I'm open to that. Tara, what kind of business do you have?
1: I am the co-owner of Opal Enterprises. The name doesn't say too much, but what we specialize in is windows, siding, and doors in the Chicagoland market. We have two locations and it's what we've done for the last 20 years, siding windows and doors, a couple of things have changed throughout there. Sometimes we added decks onto our service offering. We've offered roofing before, but now that we're a little bit more grown up and out of those teenage years, we've hyper-focused on windows, siding and doors.
0: I, I love the ability that you have to to niche or to mature into one offer or one little sector. I find that mm-hmm. there's lots of, You can niche at the beginning, you can niche late. Like there's so much thought around niching down or offering more, so much different mindset. Maybe we'll get into that, but I'm excited to have you on the stage. I'm sure that you are used to being in an industry where you're one of the only ladies in the room. So you're gonna be able to carry yourself just fine here today.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, I am still used to being asked, oh, which company do you work for? Instead yeah, right. of maybe asking what it is I do, so yeah, it's a little bit of a male-dominated industry, but it's changing. I there's tons of women in the in the industry, so it's
0: yeah, fun. exactly. Boss ladies uh, on the rise. <laughs> well, I love it. You're paving the way. Twenty years in, I want to know, Tara. You've obviously been doing this for a while. You're super successful. Why are you still doing it? What's the bigger picture for you? I
1: mean, Opal has always been my my baby. I was born out of necessity, and I just have a a love affair with it. So. It's provided so much freedom and, and happiness, career happiness for me. So I don't really foresee myself doing anything else. I would like to see myself expand into other entrepreneurial avenues. But Opal has always been a heart spot for me. It got me through some really changing times. And yeah, I'm still still in a love affair with my business
0: I, I, I love how you say that because I think that we all have it or maybe once had it with with our business or different ideas, but it just makes it so like thick and raw when you say it like that. Like when you think of a love affair, it's like this like passion, this thing that you're like that you're really wrapped up in. And so like, you, but but you've but you've been doing it like you've been fulfilling the passion. Like it's just, is it just the passion or is it? Is it obviously you got a lot of people, your family? Like, what, what, what's really underneath there, boss I mean, lady? Like,
1: it's, like I mentioned, Opal was born. So I, I affectionately call my business Opal. The full name is Opal Enterprises. It was named Opal Enterprises in the very beginning because we just weren't sure what it was going to be, what it was going to format. Yeah. Um, so I, I affectionately call it Opal. Um, Opal was born out of necessity. I mean, it saved. It saved my livelihood. It saved my, my mindset, my, my energy levels. And I've put so many years into building a community for myself. So what I mean in that sense is that I'm, I'm from Colorado, went to college here in Colorado, thought I was going to be an advertising guru. I was excited to get out of my home state or out of my hometown out of Colorado. And I took a leap and moved to the big city of Chicago, unfortunately, right, right when September 11th happened.
0: Wow.
1: So I transplant into Chicago, didn't have friends, didn't have family. And so Old Wall also provided a huge community for myself because I built community. I built my coworkers. I built my yeah. team. I had a love affair with my Early customers. And so, why do I do it today? Because it's still, it still is that for me. Now, 20 years later, I have much more of a balanced life. But in the beginning, it was my be all, do all. Still kind of feels like that, even though things have evolved.
0: Yeah. I mean, you you're the, the, your mindset in, in all of this. I'm going to, I'm going to try to dissect some of this, but you go to Chicago. And where most people, again, feel, like you said, feeling alone, feeling like a little bit destitute, a little bit like, I don't know what to do here. You create a company. You start a company. Like Why, why, why was that the turn?
1: Well, it wasn't quite that turnkey. Out of college, I had followed a boy to Chicago. That boy... Is now my business partner. So we are no longer romantically involved, but he is my best friend. So, but I did follow him to Chicago. i was straight out of college. In fact, I'm still in college, finishing my internships. And then September 11th happened. And I really had grand dreams for myself that I was going to interview for advertising agencies. And I was going to work at this really cute, you know, advertising agency, brick and mortar sort of business. Yeah. And that's not the world that I entered into after college at all. There was nobody hiring really and it really was without an exaggeration. And in the few in the few that were hiring, there was a thousand people. At least it felt like to me a thousand sure. people wanted that one job. Uh so after really hitting the pavement for a solid year, trying everything I could to get my foot into any business. I was literally crying outside of my doorstep. when I lived in a very Polish community. Chicago has so much wonderful diversity. And my partner is Polish. And my neighbor, my neighbor saw me crying, male neighbor. And he was speaking to me in Polish. I knew enough. We we ended up going back to English. But literally what happened is he felt bad for me. And Invited me to go to his work the next day. He was a contractor and he bought materials from Associated Materials or Allside and literally took me in to where he buys materials, introduced me to a very Polish, very wonderful manager. She hired me on the spot. Wow. And, and that's it. I sold siding and windows to contractors, to Polish contractors, for two and a half years. And I'm a very outgoing person. I was trying to get my hands into anything that I could. I'll do your marketing pro bono. What can I do? How can I get involved? There really wasn't much for me to do, but the outside sales grabbed onto me and started taking me out in the field, seeing me to contractors, showing me their businesses. I mean, I got to see the whole gamut in Chicago. And with my marketing background, I'm always kind of doing a SWOT analysis, and I was just kind of keeping I didn't know it, but I was keeping track of things that people were doing great and things that people could be doing better in their businesses.: Yeah. So I did have a child in this story, and my business partner and I his name is Oitech. We, we were parents at the time. We were finally feeling a little financially stable after me having a job for two years. She, on the other hand, being a Polish immigrant was literally standing at gas stations in Chicago for day labor.
0: Wow. And he was
1: getting picked up for day jobs and making connections. Anyway. Yeah. When we finally started feeling financially stable, I wrote my resignation letter to all side, and I took it to work with me and put it in my drawer and I couldn't give it on Monday. I was like, okay, I'll give it on Tuesday. And
0: <laughs>
1: that's how the week progressed. And I never gave my resignation letter and it was Friday. Oh. And I was like, Tara, Because I really loved my team. I mean, Maria Komorowska, she was a huge giant in all side in Chicago. She's given me everything. I loved her to pieces. I still love her to pieces. I couldn't give my letter over that weekend. I found out I was pregnant with my second second child. So there were my dreams of like quitting this job so I could Mm. go back to the advertising world, and when it so I didn't quit, but I did quit I did resign because I was I was 26 and daycare costs yeah i what I was making so I did finally put in my resignation and between what I had learned and what boy Tech had gained by being a day laborer and making connections we decided to open up our own siding and windows contracting business because that's what we had just learned in the last two years. Yeah, And so Opal was born out of necessity. And so it wasn't quite as, you know, moved to I, Chicago. I, I think
0: that story resonates with so many listeners. I think that the necessity of like, okay, here we go is actually super relatable. And so what courage that you have had even and and for you guys to kind of piece it together it's like the it's the basis of the american dream right to you kind of like fumble around for a little bit you kind of put a couple pieces together and then boom something happens because you paid attention and you put you made some good decisions i would love to know like okay so you you got us to the point of the business starting and obviously he had some skill set on on the interior of the business you had some skill set on the marketing and and the sales and the material side Tell us like in that first like year two, three, that six figure mark, when the listeners, you know, where they are right now, probably. Tell me a good decision that you made then that you can look back and go, hmm, that's the moment, or one of the moments.
1: I'm not sure if it was a good decision or bad decision, but we'll call it a good decision. I had done a SWOT analysis on how we could enter into the
0: marketplace. So tell us what SWOT is I, I know, but tell us, tell yeah. us what
1: so it's an evaluation of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of the marketplace so in in in, in, in being in my twenties i I wanted to learn how to position this this baby company, and I knew from because i my dad was always an entrepreneurial and I knew that I was not going to be able to use his which was, oh, my dad's been doing this for 30 years. And so now I've taken over. I knew we, I didn't, we didn't have lengths of time on our side. I knew that we were not going to be able to be the cheapest. So we weren't going to enter the market on a price point. But what I did understand is that we had no money, zero. And that people who did have money they shocked and, and awed me, and and I wanted, and I felt like they they deserved a good experience. And why should you exchange your hard-earned dollars for a hair pulling experience? And in the state of Illinois, and I'm sure it's similar in lots of states, but in the state of Illinois, contracting has always been the number three complained about industry in a list of ten. We are now number one, and have been for two years, but contracting is the number now number one complaint about industry. So I wanted to enter the marketplace as a company that focused on experience and not commoditize what it was we were
0: doing. Yeah. Yeah. So give us the building blocks of what that experience looks like? Because I can tell you it's a common theme, building an experience as opposed to building a business off of price. Not that that necessarily the price is the wrong way to do it. I'm sure there's lots of people that have the discount business, but for ones like you and I that value the experience, give us some of those key things that you built in. Maybe not the whole thing, but maybe two or three steps in that experience that are just, if you don't have these, the experience isn't there. First
1: of all, it starts off the minute a a homeowner or anyone a vendor anyone calls or emails you it's the way that you are appreciative and thankful it's your tone it's your gratitude and even if you can't help that person or if it's not the right fit I'm still being very careful to preserve that relationship so I know it sounds simple but we all know that when you call businesses you either feel appreciated or you don't. You either feel like or wow. Yeah. Um so I've always been able to focus on well and I was a waitress through my college year so I just appreciate theatrics. Uh, yeah. and for me they're genuine. But sure. there is some theatrics in customer service. So The minute someone calls, and first of all, you need to have someone answer the phones. And that was one thing that I noticed when I was doing my spot analysis, that so many businesses were letting customers go to voicemails. And so that was one thing that was not going to happen. And that was a sacrifice for me because I had two small children. But anytime the phone rang, I was there. I had a chipper smile in my voice. And I was so grateful that anyone was contacting us at all. And then you carry that throughout. of course, that sounds easy, but, um, making your sales experience feel like it's a consultation and a relationship. And we, we benefit from getting girls from people who have never worked with us. And it's because of that kindness. And then if a customer does choose you, I know that there's an exchange of money. And a lot of times homeowners will get anxiety in return. Sure. So. I wanted to be on the forefront of that. So right away, I put into place that we would always be the company to touch our customer. They would never call us and ask, hey, what's going on? So I put in some processes that we gave our cu- We give our customers weekly touches. I mean, if we don't have anything to say, it's, hey, I, I really want to confirm that your color choice is amazing and how exciting. Hey, and did you want to change your mailbox and just touch points so that homeowners don't have anxiety Um, and then after the project is done making sure that they get a complete walkthrough with complete satisfaction and then it's not over it's not over so I have put into place processes where I touch my customers every six to eight weeks and I know that sounds like a lot but they're just simple little how's your project what do I need to know a lot of people will think that that's farming for services and complaints but it's staying ahead of those those little things that can build into big nuances so my experience I guess would be summarized as communication and I know that's a common theme but the processes I've put into place is I'd make it so easy that my customers don't even have to look at my phone number I'm already in their face
0: yeah, I love that. And and the one word that you use that that my team also uses, or my team's, is touch points. And <clears throat> if probably right now the listener knows these moments in time where he or she is or should be reaching out, but they probably haven't defined this process. And so defining it, and I think if you spend the time, because you said you said you did this, but it, it's I'm kind of digging underneath here a little bit. You sat down, I'm sure, and you just thought about all these touch points and you probably added several like, Ooh, there's too much time gap here. Let me add a touch point. And even if you're adding a touch point unto just like you said, Hey, we're just staying in communication with you. Everything is on track. We've got this color, that color, blah, blah, blah. Like all of that is part of the, the overall experience. And so I think everything that you just gave is super practical. I want the listener to literally understand this is service. That makes the experience, which then builds the business. Like without even you knowing it, you will have raving fans is what we call them.
1: And you have to map it out. You have to really plan it out and and put it into play and and communicate to your team why it's important.
0: Yep, exactly. If you have it written out, if you've assigned a person to own each touch point, if you've given that person training on how to own that touch point, point, then and then you communicate all that to the team, it happens. And of course you're not perfect. I'm sure you still get opportunities where you can get better, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one other thing that we put into play right away was third-party surveying. And once in a while, we'll get a homeowner who will say like, it was a little too much communication. But you know, that's once in a while where a majority of people are just thankful that they were kept in touch. It's a lot of anxiety that homeowners can feel. You're exchanging money for an unknown. Um, especially in our industry where if you're a custom contractor and things can take three months, five months to come in. So alleviating anxiety was my entrance into the marketplace.
0: I love it. Such a a great decision that you're continuing to improve on. Let's flip the coin. Tara, tell me about a bad decision that you can specifically note in time. What happened?
1: As I was building my team early on, so hands-on. I mean, this, this business has just been my absolute everything. And my bad decision was I made a fabulous hire of an office manager, absolutely fabulous. And she was with me for six years. And I, I wouldn't say that I micromanaged her, but I was so in, I was so in love with her. I was so concerned about her. I thought I was doing the right thing by structuring for day like hey you need to go you need to be your family you need to get out of here thank you so much but go ahead and go now when she left me after six years her name is Corinne she let me know that I took away her career that mm. she came to me wanting to be an office manager and with hopes of being a general manager and I just was never going to get out of her way so I'm sad that I took away her career but she taught me that when people come to your company they have their own career goals and aspirations and as business owners we can forget that a little bit and be selfish so that was a bad decision was not trusting that I had made an amazing hire and it's it's worth noting that administrative mindset people They don't like to end their day at four o'clock. They need to do their processes and have a clean desk or Mm -hmm. clean mind. So that could be five o'clock. That could be seven o'clock one day. And you need to just have that communication with your administration team, what feels good for them. Project managers, salespeople, those different mindsets. So that was just a huge lesson that I learned And unfortunately, because I've always, you go to conferences and as owners, we learn to like care for your people, make sure that they have a life balance, coach them. I thought I was doing a good thing by saying, you need to get out, go, don't work on Saturdays. You're not coming on Saturday. And what I was doing is I was robbing her of her career satisfaction. We didn't have that dialogue, which she needed. I thought she was so Just just a huge lesson to to back off and let someone have their
0: career. I mean, uh, what? I mean, I, I, that's the first time I've had that specific decision shared here on the show. And I'll tell you, I share, I share that bad decision. I think as business owners like you and I who are capable, first off, we're capable, right? We started it because we, we had to. Like, of course, we were talented. We probably would have figured something else out, but in that moment, it was everything and so we learned everything and we got good at everything and when you come across another person that's talented mixed with if you're trying to care people like care for people like genuinely it mixes that up a little bit and so what what a I mean I I think I'm taking back on that going man you're you're right I can even think of folks on my team right now where I've literally said like hey it's five o'clock, like get go on. Cause I'm, cause again, same, same mindset, trying to trying to almost manage their life. And it's like, wait a second, would I have wanted that if I worked for somebody? I would have told the guy, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll leave here in a minute. And as soon as he left, I would have flipped the light back on and got back to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you become really close with some of your very key members, you share a lot of personal details. And I knew that she had wanted to start a family and some things were important to her. And so I just was was overprotective over her and i wish she would have had more dialogue with me i was a young owner myself but when she left me and it was a final decision there was no changing her mind she let me know that yeah that i i i I stole her career from her so
0: yeah yeah well and and i think out of the love of a good parent right we 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 smother yeah we 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 want to hug him and kiss him and, and my three year old son's like just squirming like get it no daddy I don't want to give you hugs and kisses. but that that's a, that's a real thing even in business because like you said at the very beginning it's your baby it's your everything um, yeah
1: and I'll, I'll kind of tag onto that just real quick is that shortly after she left me I had I had I made the hard decision to move back to my state home state of Colorado business is in Chicago and because of my experience with her when we made new hires and move on and everything. But because of my experience with her, I might not have otherwise been given permission to move my children to my home state and manage a business in Chicago had it it, wouldn't been for that lesson where she let me know that people need their own career. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people think it's very strange that my business is in Chicago and I live in Colorado. But because I was told... People need their own careers. They need their wingspan. They, they need their growth. Of course, they want guidance and coaching and they sure. don't want an absentee owner. But that is the reason why I'm able to run my business remotely is because of that lesson I learned.
0: So good. So good. I get the same question. How do you have all these businesses in different states? I said, I have a great team.
1: Having That's a great it. team. Got a great team. I have a great team and I stay in touch with them and we have processes. I mean, we are a recipe. I I, One of the first things I teach people is I don't care if a customer does a patio door or a whole house remodel. You put the same ingredients into the cake and every time our customer is going to get the same wonderful result. So we have processes and great, great people in place. And it's not easy and it's not so simple, but man, I mean... The alternative was I was personally in my business seven days a week.
0: Yeah. I I just want to, I got one last question on that topic. Is the cake red velvet?
1: (laughs) I'd say it's more of a marbly mix of everything.
0: (laughs) That's all right. I like marble cake, but I really like
1: Gaffigan reference.
0: No, no. No, I trade. No, no. I just really like red velvet. velvet. (laughs) Every every one of my kids' birthdays, I'm like, hey, so your birthday is coming up. Are we getting red velvet cake? for red velvet cake. Delicious. hundred percent. Okay, I, I, one, one question here I'm left on decisions. I want to know, you've, you've given us quite a bit of mindset already, but I want to know if there's like a principle or a process that you put decision-making through. You've given us a good and bad. How do you kind of attack decisions nowadays as a successful entrepreneur? You have
1: to think of what the outcome will mean in profitability. So when I have a decision to make, I'm, I'm now at the point where I can try to evaluate where that plays into the profit profitability of the company.
0: Yeah, okay. And I assume that decisions around all the key factors of business, marketing, sales, fulfillment, finance are a part of that, but then also your members or sorry, your team, your, your clients, like all of those decisions are coming through that filter for you.
1: Absolutely do. And, and I know it sounds a little selfish to say profitability, but a, a customer is not going to benefit if your business isn't thriving and you're not there to service them in two to three years. So a company has to be profitable. So yeah. I used to make a lot of decisions based off of what. Felt good, or what my heart said. So now I'm trying to understand, like, yeah, this feels good, but will this benefit in profitability, and so that I can be a thriving business for my
0: community? Yeah, and I love what you said there. And I was, I, I, I tried to tee you up, and you you took it. It was amazing. It was just a phew, home run there. <laughs> the listener who might be thinking, oh well, the, uh, I'm I'm more concerned about whatever, and and the reality is that you said it. If the business doesn't exist. You can't provide a good experience. And what I have found in my business is when we shortchange or when we sell out of our own pocket, our own hand, if you will, and we try to give discounts or whatever, then it actually, it leaves it leaves us, the team, everybody anxious or not in a good place, which then we don't provide a good product. We don't provide a good service. The, the customer doesn't end up getting what they hoped for. So it's a, it's a negative all the way around. I love your mindset on that. Okay. So we're going to tra- transition to the speed round. I got a couple questions here for you. Are you ready to go fast? am First question is this: dwindle that entire business down for me, one trackable metric. What is it?
1: I I need to start tracking my business based off of profitability. I've always been very interested in the cost of customer acquisition, and that's been ruling my my career. Looking like a true
0: marketing expert.
1: Yeah, but I'm going to be focusing more on profitability.
0: Nice, love as that. My
1: main KPI.
0: Yeah, and 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 per job per product. At the end of every month, like, what What are you thinking there?
1: You know, I, we, we we know our numbers absolutely, and my business partner is fabulous. So we know them by the year, quarter, the month, but I need to understand a little bit more per job because you give some, you lose some, and it all comes out in the wash. But I'm going to be focusing more on profitability per project that we take on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You said at the very beginning, you've honed into certain, certain offerings. And so the next layer for you, it sounds like, is to, be able to start maybe even declining certain projects
1: yeah and i think that we are actually going to be doing some more especially in a time of recession you kind of want to off pivot offer more services what else can we do i actually think that our company is going to be honing in a little bit more and narrowing in um and, and making the business simple and exact and precise and and it's, and, and it's hard because you want to offer a little bit of everything. But I think in my case, we're going to narrow in a little bit more.
0: The the secret, which you already probably know, but I'll tell this one to the, to the listener. You can dial into that one simple or maybe it's just a couple of offerings if you know how to go get customers.
1: That's right. Absolutely. You can
0: fill the pipeline with A clients. Why bother with the B? It's, it's only when you don't have enough A. That you consider the b or the c or the d
1: that's right Um, absolutely good at marketing
0: like tara is there's there's no worries tara what book would you recommend that a six-figure business owner read i
1: sound a lot about this but i just my one of my favorite books is six tires no plan let me see if the author here Mm -hmm. by michael rosenbaum and it's a story about discount tire and the man who started that business and it is such a good read is so humbling. I mean, this man had enough had enough money to buy six tires, and he started an empire out of this. Yeah, um, wow. so it's one of my favorite reads.
0: I love that. I have not read that. We'll put it in the show notes here, but I, I'm going to grab it.
1: Yeah, it's, you- it's a great book. It's very humbling, and I, I I'm a fan of staying humble and knowing that at any moment you could lose what you've built. So. Yeah. His story, and I believe the owner is still alive. And so you have anyone that used Discount Tire, they, they're just absolutely epic on their customer service. And there's a reason why.
0: Yeah. It actually makes me think of Shoe Dog, the story about Phil Knight and, and Nike.
1: Oh, um, wow. Yeah.
0: Almost exact same. Way. I, don't, I haven't read this book, but it sounds very similar from a from a story perspective.
1: I mean, I think this man started his business with $12. No joke. So uh-huh. the gray greed.
0: Wow. So one day when I read your book and you didn't start with any note, not even $12. Yeah,
1: it's not even $12. Yeah.
0: Love it. Tara, do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs?
1: Absolutely. Okay, and why? Um, Because when our business was growing in 2009, we were like at that weird growth, hard. It's hard to reinvent the wheel. It, 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 It was hard. So networking, joining organizations. I mean, I'm a guru for, for learning. I'll sign up for any class or any conference that makes sense to me. Sure. Uh, I'm a huge fan of time blocking. So I've been coached thanks to the organization that I belong to, Time Block. So I physically on my calendar have time blocks where I need to stop what I'm doing and it's time to go down a rabbit hole or read what I said I was going to read. And, and my business coach told me, that if you make a date with yourself on the calendar and you break it, that's the same as breaking an appointment with a client or with the employee. And you would never not show up for a meeting or an right. appointment. So why would you break that date with yourself? So time blocking is huge for me. Yes. Networking, there's a, there's a world of smart, smart, smart people. And I just love rubbing shoulders with people who have figured it out. And who can bring me up with them? I don't think I'll ever stop. It's it's a it's a high for me.
0: Yeah, i, I relate I relate to that hundred percent. Everything that you just said, I could I could feel the. I was there with you in the in the in yeah.
1: The <laughs> there's some amazing people out there. My gosh.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, if you only had one hour each week to operate Opal, what would you do, or how would you use that one week one hour to 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 be successful, like you are now?
1: Wow. Okay. That's a question that I wasn't prepared for, but
0: yeah,
1: I have been coached. So I belong to the certified contractors network, amazing organization. I also belong to Maui mastermind, amazing organization. I hope to be a part of your mastermind that you have going on. I have been coached that, and I'm going to get this wrong. It's the 1%. I think I'm going to get this. The 1% that. You, I am super going to get this. Okay, so we have so much to do in our day and like 80% yeah. only produces 20% of your profitability. But if you keep paring that down. So if I had one hour per week, I would hyper focus on that small percentage of my expertise that actually brings the most value to the company. I, I am so at the point in my career where emails are just a Complete waste of time. And I have sticky notes all over my computer. And it's like, what are you doing right now that is making the business profitable? So maybe I'm getting it wrong with the 1%, but you know, it's not even the 20% of your expertise that brings the greatest value. You're going to keep paring it down and really hone in on what you specifically, uniquely bring to the company that no one else can do that will benefit. So I would be focusing and they're called A level times or yep. high level times. I would I would really hone in on what I do the best for the company.
0: Yep. I, I love how you've answered that. I think you're spot on. There obviously that one percent can look like a lot of different things. For you, running a an extremely successful business, states away, already I think blows the mind of most people listening today because you this format in order to get down to an hour like i have in in multiple of my businesses you have to you can't physically be there first off <laughs> like literally you cannot be there um maybe for the hour but if 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 you are are building systems and teams you are in another state and so you physically have already done the the huge laid work of saying i need to i have to lean on other people number 1 but then I'm going to hone in on my skill set. I think your answer is spot on.
1: Yeah. I, I like one... to think of myself as the the wizard of Oz. I'm the girl behind the curtain that's running <laughs>
0: the show. It's so funny that you say that. I have in, in 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 your phone there in the emojis there's a a silhouette of a person, of a guy, <laughs> gal, whatever. And so for many years my team used the silhouette as for me. You. Yes.
1: You're the man behind the curtain. You're the wizard of Oz.
0: Yeah, I, what I love really is it's the relationship piece. Not so much to the operations. I'm, I'm, I can get down with some operations. I love systems. I love efficiencies. We can talk about it for days, hours, and I would stay up with you all night talking about it, and totally. and go and go hard the next morning with no sleep. But for me, I can pop in now, and 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 do the relationship thing because we've already built the systems, and and that that for me isn't necessarily my go to skill set, but I've had to learn that value of really at this point the mystique of, of that character um, is cool and all, but they, they, want to, they want to know me. They want to know my family. They want to know when we, like how the kids are doing and, and all of those things too, which, which only operating from a distance or in a certain a time capacity, you have to be really intentional about.
1: I really love how you package that, Chaz, really.
0: I've got one last question here for you, Tara. <laughs> if Opal was no more, what would you do?
1: I think I would scrounge up some money and buy a tiny house and start a tiny house rental business and build a a little empire off of that. And I also have dreams of being a yoga instructor. The market is saturated right now, but in my world, I'd like to be having my own yoga studio and tiny house rental homes.
0: Wow. Well, I, I know a tiny home manufacturer. I know other entrepreneurs in your area, we need to do a deal. Like, we need to I'm get so in it. I'm so
1: ready. I'm so ready. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I've, got, I've got a short-term rental experience where we're crushing it in the STR space.
1: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, that's tough. Absolutely. They're I just cute as a button. I've been wanting to do it for years. And then it's, it's hard to pull the trigger because you get so, yeah, I mean, I've probably got so much to learn from you because you get so focused on what you do that it's hard to diversify, but it's definitely, definitely what we should be doing at some point.
0: Yeah, at some point, that's the that's the key factor there. I think a lot of people listening here today need to hone in and do what you do what, what you, you do. described. Yeah, exactly. You got to really just dial it in, just as Tara has described here today. Tara, how can someone find you? I want I want them to be able to connect with you, maybe do business with you, refer business to you. How, how can they find you?
1: Oh, well, we're we're fully online. So the name of the company is Opal Enterprises. To make that simple, if you look up Opal Exteriors, you'll get to the same point. Same places. <clears throat> Pinterest is huge for us. Facebook and Instagram. My name is Tara Don. I'm attached to everything that you'll find with Opal. So yeah, I'd love to connect with any of our listeners and and keep growing as a person.
0: I love it. Tara, you have been extraordinary today. The the mindset, that's that's probably the biggest thing that I'm walking away with. First off, I love mindset. And so I don't, I don't often feel inspired necessarily by mindset because I feel like I've heard a lot, So your story and just like the the dynamic of how you see things, the rest, I feel sorry for my later meetings today. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to be on it. Just, I'm going to be in a love of a love affair.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the love affair. And I love your energy, Chaz. I'm, I, I love your podcast. I, I love what you're doing for us. Thank you so much for sharing your energy with me. I also feel energized for the day and inspired to keep to keep growing.
0: Awesome. You've been incredible. Thank you so much. We wish you nothing but success and all that you put your hand to.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.